Hello and welcome back to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host Matt Lady. I'm back at it again with another episode of the show. We have Daniel here from Mint Marketing and he also is a partner with Spudsy and some other stuff. There's a lot of stuff going on and he's here to chat up all about common mistakes in the beginning of the brand process and also setting yourself up for a brand exit acquisition. Daniel, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. It's good to good to chat, good to catch up. Looking forward to hopefully dropping some insightful information. You bet. Yeah. So what are some you you've you've been a service provider, you've run your own brands, you've been inside and out. What do what are people still getting wrong, and that it should you don't think should be a big problem these days with more information and more knowledge and um, more sharing of these podcasts and courses? What are some still challenges you're seeing from brands in the early days, sub a million dollars in revenue? Yeah, great question. I think um, I think the thing that supersedes any of those questions is what's the ultimate goal? You know, um, are you starting a brand because it's a passion project. Do you start in a brand because you want to sell it for a huge multiple? I think, um, you know, one of the great things about there being tons of information is there's tons of information, but it can confuse you. It can, it can misalign what your expectations and aspirations are with, well, somebody else's. And therefore, if you follow somebody else's path around how they've done things, does that ultimately align with what you're looking to achieve? So I think like first and foremost is really understand like why you're doing what you're doing. Um, you know, different people enter launching a brand at different stages. Maybe it's a first time founder. Maybe it's, you know, your third or fourth brand. You've sold a couple of others. The, the challenges are going to be different in some ways based on your background and based on what it is you're looking to achieve. I would say, you know, if we're tailoring this maybe more for first timers or people who are you know, doing this and they're still in that kind of early stage, I would say, you know, there's there's a lot of angles that you've got to look at, right? When you're running a brand, you've got to think about your inventory, your financing, you've got to think about the marketing aspect. Uh, and I, you know, I kind of always encourage and my approach has been like build a really solid foundation first. We all want success quickly. We all want to be running. There is a walk run aspect to everything probably in life right unless you're like some genius talented person who can just do things out the gates I certainly am not uh, so you know I think like you know like I said understand what it is you're trying to achieve um, and build a solid foundation now for a brand what's a solid foundation um, the things that are going to help you down the line are how you set things up from the beginning right you know thinking about um, the the partners you're using, the vendors you're using, um, your margins. Like, if you if you're sourcing a product from this place, like, is that sustainable in the long run? What does that look like? I, I know that's kind of thinking ahead, but you know those things can trip you up down the line. Um, so I think when I talk about solid foundation, it's it's like it's really the back end of the business, and is that is that feasible as you start getting into you know, some of the things like marketing and paid media. If you've got a product that's 20% margin, okay, that's, it, you know, is that is that scalable when you start applying paid media? Um, 
And so I think like, take your time to really understand the foundations of a brand that allow it to be scalable and sustainable in the long run. Um, and then don't rush into, don't rush into things trying to scale too quickly. Um, you know, I always think like having a, a, an element of testing kind of low barrier to entry ways of trying to find product market fit, um, whether that's, you know, even like hyper-local strategies, like getting samples out to people and getting client feedback or customer feedback, um, whatever that might be. Um, and, and yeah, like not jumping into some of the things that, you know, is out there in the ecosystem about brands and e-com, which is Facebook and, you know, spend a lot of money on Facebook and, and you'll be fine for life kind of thing. It's build that solid foundation, pay attention, get some data in, build, build some brand equity that way. And then have in place like a, a kind of like a six month roadmap, a year roadmap of like, okay, we want to go from here to here, tick off each of those boxes as you go along. And you're learning so much at that stage, right? So like pay attention to the things that you're learning like iterate, you're not going to get it right out the gates and, and that's okay. Nobody, nobody does. So, um, build that solid foundation first. So maybe trying to first know yourself, know what race you're running. Uh, don't compare yourself to people running a VC, VC backed race. If you're bootstrapped out of your basement Correct. and then, yeah. uh, knowing how fast and where you want to go will help dictate what you should focus on. And exactly. while you're yeah. determining that, set up the basics, get a foundation, get feedback, get customers, yeah, uh, and listen to those customers then too. So how can uh, how can you start turning early customers, early testers, these samplers? How do you start cultivating a sense of community? How do you you can't create one, uh, but how do you help guide the formation and growth of one as from a brand perspective to customers and these people that own your products but maybe aren't in the brand the same way as you are day to day like it's still it's for yeah. them but it's your brand how do we start to think about community in that kind of aspect yeah do you know it's, it's actually one of the most often touted things that i think most people have the least concept of how to achieve right you know e even for like you say run Facebook ads, it's Facebook ads. Email SMS, it's email SMS. Google is Google. When people talk about build a community around your brand, that's really hard. Um, you know, and, and I think like, I think there's things you can do, but what I would also say is that sometimes it's a bit unpredictable, like depending on the type of product you have. And I think, you know, can you build a community around, um, some verticals easier than others yes you, you can i think some brands lend themselves more to that community-based like real part of it um you know more than others but i think like turning early customers into kind of adopters and a voice for your brand whether that's as simple as you know having them be affiliates or you know actually communicate about the brand like turning them into actual brand loyalists um, that's something you can do, but a, a very base level is, and this is what I talk about, like a foundation of a brand is when they purchase from you, what's your secondary touch point with them? What's your third touch point, your fourth touch point? Um, that's, that's some of the foundational stuff that I'm talking about. You know, there's more tactical stuff that you can do within that, which is, 
you know, like um, have surveys with them, you know, like get their feedback, make them feel like they're part of what it is you're trying to achieve. Like what could we do better? That buys them into the brand. Um, I think like part of it as well is um, being willing to be a bit more human as a brand um, and not be kind of like, you know, like, oh, well, you're, you're just an aspirational entity we can't touch. We like your products, but we don't really coexist in this world. Um, so I think a lot of it also just comes down to the language that brands are using and, and how they communicate post like a, an initial purchase touch point. Yeah, that's so um, so funny you mentioned that, and I I think it's a it's a hot topic right now as iOS fourteen is p- destroying our ads, iOS fifteen is destroying our email, uh, and some of this is said in jest, uh, but everyone starts throwing out own channels and community and media and just build a media arm, and build a content yeah. arm of your brand. It's like it's so hard to just pivot all of a sudden and do all these things all at once when you're yeah. small and bootstrapped so it, um, it definitely is and, and you know you, you can't you can't force a community it has to be it has to be built on a co-sharing of value right obviously the value to the brand is loyalty and and that they're going to keep buying and but the loyalty and the value back to them is it can't just be about buy from us again and again and again please so there's like, you have to think through, well, what's going to keep that person engaged? Like, why would they be part of a community? Do you see what I mean? Um, it's not just going to happen just because they like the product, unless you're one of these like super niche kind of, you know, brands or products, which again can happen, but is not, I don't think it's common. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the, that's the five, 10% of brands. Most, most brands, it's going to like, okay. I bought a graphic t-shirt from you. Okay. Like now what? It's like, okay. Oh, well we're actually, it's Shelly Cove and we like save all the environment and give back and do community cleanup and recycling and you know, stuff like that. Like there's more to it that um, Matt has done over there. Um, so yeah. like just know kind of no, like you said, go back to the beginning, know yourself, know your brand, know your product and how you yeah. might be fitting into an existing community. And yeah, Instead of creating your own, maybe it's fitting into an existing one and supporting them and supporting those people already there. So you're not trying to own it. So that's really cool. Uh, I like that. Uh, Okay. So set those foundations up. (laughs) I have to bring up a little bit. Black Friday uh, next month uh, at the time of this recording. Just some rapid fire. Like, what are some... uh, simple foundations and like principles that you generally follow year to year or have seen to be true year to year uh for black friday uh generally and then i'll kind of ask a second question yeah and i don't think there's going to be too many surprises in this response to be honest with you um i think most brands agencies marketers are going to be doing the same thing which is drive intent early um you know black friday cyber monday hits um you, you want to have audiences primed rather than trying to compete against, you know, the increases in spend, the higher CPMs, the 50 emails we're all going to get on the same day competing for your attention. So it's like, you know, there's, there's many ways of doing this, but I think the, the bigger thing is, is drive the intent early. Um, the, you know, there's 
whether that's increasing spend, like we typically increase spend in the lead up to Black Friday, Cyber Monday, kind of does this increase spend, drop it slightly, and increase back again for Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Um, and so I think, you know, anything you can do, like I said, to really drive that intent, capture, like, capture leads, drive site traffic, obviously make it qualified. I don't really love traffic optimizations. I wouldn't suggest that one. Um, can work. But yeah, from a general theme perspective, it's like your Black Friday, Cyber Monday success kind of started six days ago-ish. Well, it probably started earlier in the year, but like if you're just thinking about it now, you should be, you should be really focused on, you know, get your, get your brand, get your product in front of people, even early teasers, right? Within, within your current, if you have subscribers, like maybe tease a little bit of what is coming, what to expect. You don't want to do it too early because it can kill any sales that might come in like in the two, three weeks before Black Friday. But there's more often than not, there's going to be a slight lull. Consumers are primed for the fact that it's coming. Um, you know, so getting that timing right is important. I think we all know that this year, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot at play. Um, probably a lot of brands who have struggled, you know, with iOS 14 and iOS 15, like a monster Q4 is maybe going to make up for some of that. So I expect budget that was called maybe to put to being put into kind of Black Friday, Cyber Monday periods, people are probably going to start sales earlier. They're going to run longer. They're going to be more aggressive. Um, at the end of the day, do what's right for your business, your margins, your spend level, what it is you're trying to achieve. Um, but yeah, in general, think about drive intent early, tease things out to your current communities, even tease things out to people who have engaged but haven't purchased, get them excited about what the offer is going to come up. And then that's, that, that, should, that, that should be something that you can capitalize on when you actually drop your, your promotions. Yep, you got to set them up, you got to prime them. Uh, they are, a lot of these people are already looking for deals and they're looking for it. You just have to show them. And so yeah. the, you got to talk about it, but yes, buy the traffic early and it doesn't, and th today it will seem like you're losing money and, yeah. and it sucks. And it's so hard for us, uh, to conceptualize that <laughs> we, we see the money go in. We, we want to see our normal two, two X, 1.5 X back and see yeah. we made money that day. But, uh, if this is your first or only second black Friday, this is the like this is generally the Super Bowl. This is the big deal for a lot of brands. They make up a lot of yeah. revenue, uh, not always profit, but they make up a lot of revenue during this time. So yeah. you're setting, you're like, you're training, you're working, you're putting in the practice and reps, and getting ready for that that uh, exactly. big day in November. So yeah, it's, exactly. And 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 you know have have that plan. You know have your plan of exactly what your Black Friday Cyber is going to be. What's the initial messaging? What's the messaging five days in? What's the messaging, you know, depending on the duration, like how does that messaging change, right? I think that's the other thing is, um, you know, just getting a little bit more tactical into it is don't, don't go in with just like one message of this is our big promotion, right? Like how can that messaging change so that you're, again, even within the Black Friday, Cyber Monday period, still testing variables that, okay, well, if this angle of the promotion didn't work, maybe this one will, like, and again, that has to be based on what makes sense for your business, um, margins, everything else. Um, but we, you know, 
we like to take the approach of having all of that creative. So we're putting new creative in every single day with slightly different messaging um, all the way through the Black Friday, Cyber Monday period. Yep. It's come with a plan, but also come with backups and iterations and twists and tweaks to it uh, in case that one doesn't hit. There's some problem with the site. Inventory didn't arrive on time. And then you can't promote that product anymore. Something something will likely go wrong or astray. So be ready yeah. for it. Okay. Got it. That makes sense. And I think last maybe last thing here for Black Friday and holiday time and what what sort of brands or situations have you seen where the Black Friday isn't that big for them, but maybe Q1 of next year is because they're health and wellness. Like, what are some other examples where you're like, ah, is Black Friday right for me? Like, what is it not for me? Is there anything, any tips or insight you can share on who should choose to be in Black Friday versus not? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think ultimately choosing whether to be part of it um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen brands who have been more kind of on the, you know, that we've worked with that have been more on the premium side, who have just not wanted to compete during the craziness of Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Maybe they don't need to, you know, like, yes, they could probably drive a lot of revenue, but if you've had a strong year, do you have to? If you've been profitable and driven growth and you're actually in a good place from a revenue standpoint, like, it's not mandated. You don't have to do a Black Friday, Cyber Monday sale. It's like, if, if you aren't struggling to sell your product at full price, then, you know, you could keep that maybe to just the loyalists. Maybe that's a way of like building community. We'll give your current customers like a bit of an incentive, but then you don't have to go out and compete with that net new customer acquisition and sacrifice your margins just because it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So, you know, again, that just comes down to aligning with like, knowing your brand what is it you want to do what makes sense for the brand um so we definitely have brands who haven't participated in black friday cyber monday um they capitalize on their brand birthdays and, and different ways of, of promotions um frankly working we've worked with some brands who straight up don't do sales right from like a new customer perspective um, they do a lot within their existing customers in terms of adding value, like first access to new drops, stuff like this. Um, so, you know, I think sales are a tool that a brand can use. And I think, you know, playing with pricing versus sales is different, right? Because the messaging is different. What you're trying to achieve is different. Um, so a lot of brands play with pricing. Now, how that's positioned doesn't have to be 40% off, come by it now, limited time only, blah, blah, blah. Um, so again, you know, I think like if you're choosing to, if you're debating whether Black Friday, Cyber Monday promotion makes sense for you, I think a lot of that is based on, well, how has your year been? Where's your brand at? Are you struggling to acquire new customers? Do you need the revenue bump? Is the deduction in, in margin worth it? Um, and I think like, Ask yourself those questions, and, and those are the things that should help you determine the answer. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, again, you're, it seems like you got to know yourself before you go and do a bunch of stuff. So keep keep yeah. that self awareness. Keep it all of all of the advice and input you receive from 
people podcast twitter you have to filter it you got to be able to filter it through and see it if it makes sense for your brand so even yeah. what we're saying is like hey this is probably right for a lot of them but not for every single yeah. brand so yeah exactly great, great, great call out there it's the same with anything right any any advice lacks the contextual relevancy of your specific situation um so you know a lot of those things work and uh, you know i have no doubt that there's benefit in understanding and taking inspiration from some of those things like everybody does it but yeah like you know someone might be running a 70 percent sale but you don't know their margins like you don't know like whether is that just dead inventory because they're just trying to clear out the warehouse because they've got five new drops coming in the next one so there's so many things that you have to do what's right for your brand what you have where you've been and what it ultimately is that you're trying to achieve and if you're lucky to have uh, inventory, maybe try out, I'll give you a tip. Just try out saying, we have stock. <laughs> you will get, like, we have products ready yeah. for purchase. <laughs> most, of, most of it's in in the port of LA right now. Yep. Waiting to... <laughs> Wait, it's crazy. Oh, it's all backed up, just sitting there. Uh, that's wild. Okay. Uh, so we got a little bit of insight there on foundations and Black Friday and a little bit there. So let's transition a little bit and go a little bit different than most of my guests is talking about brand exits and acquisitions. So yes, even if you're an early brand under a million dollars, you can still be thinking about the future and still think ahead of time. And again, know yourself. So if you're a lifestyle brand looking to just chill out for the next 20 years, maybe the next couple of minutes will not be as helpful for you. But if you're looking for a potential exit or even just learning more about it, stay tuned. So, Daniel, let's talk about brand exits and acquisitions. What, what's the like common misconception uh, that bothers you the most? That is just annoying to no end when people talk about people's uh, selling brands and the valuations and all this sort of stuff. What's like, what's one of your pet peeves with the, like this the exit process? Um, what am I, you know, I think, I think one of the, one of the challenges with it is, you know, there's, um, there's just more ways to be successful than just like the big exit, the big VC round, you know, and it's not knocking that, it's just, you know, and, and I don't want to kind of repeat myself too much, but it's like, what is it you're ultimately trying to achieve? You know, um, there's there's always more ways to do anything, right? If anybody talks in absolutes, you know, I I, I would discard discard that information a, a little a little bit. So, um, and you know, I think like, and there's many reasons to exit, like maybe some exits actually aren't super beneficial for the brand because they're actually losing money. So they need to exit because they can't keep affording to go on. Like, I don't want to sound doom and gloom about it because many exits are great for the brand. Um, but I would say, I don't know if it's like a, a massive pet peeve per se about it, other than, yeah. you know, I think most people don't enjoy the celebration of raising money, even though it's very challenging to do. So it, it does, it, it the recognition should be given to some degree because like that's a hard thing to do so like congrats to people raising money but you know again like does that make sense for what it is you're looking to try and achieve like at what point does it make sense is it actually that easy 
you know, what, what are the years of slog that you've gone through, you know, to kind of get there. So, um, yeah, I think it, again, it all just comes back to what is it you're ultimately trying to achieve? And I think that really dovetails into then how you look to scale a brand, you know, um, and I know we're kind of going to touch upon this, so sorry if I'm jumping ahead, but like whether you staff in-house, whether you outsource, whether you get multiple partners, like, like, and those things can change. You might start off thinking, well, I just like this as a lifestyle brand. You start doing big numbers and you're like, well, actually, like, shit, like this could actually be something massive. I'm going to sell to Unilever for a hundred million dollars. Um, so those things can definitely change. Um, again, it's just being aware of it. So have a plan, something in place, and then be open to changing courses and adjusting as you go. So what, what are some like, what are some, so I, I agree with your uh, VC take, by the way, it's great that they raised their money. That's awesome. Uh, I can't relate. I don't get it. Uh, that's okay. And I, I don't, I don't beat them up. I don't say anything. I just let them be, you know, uh, so I'm similar. So what are like, have you heard of a situation or come across brands, um, other founders, friends, colleagues, whatever, like people trying to get rid of, like get rid of or sell or get acquired. And they're just like unsellable or like unacquirable. Like how, how do you avoid becoming that? Like, how do you avoid becoming a brand that's a dead brand? Yeah. I mean, and, and one, I mean, one of the things that we do at Mint and through Social Chain is invest in and acquire brands. Um, so you know, like I, I have spoken to a lot of brand owners um, uh, around kind of you know potentials um, in terms of like what not to do or like maybe what people maybe are looking for versus what they're not looking for. Um, you know, I think for us, like some of the more foundational things is it comes back to what we're saying about early stage, like what's the margins, what's the sustainability of inventory, like where's it coming from, how robust is that ecosystem, like who is in the business from a full-time employee perspective versus who is assisting from an outside perspective, right? So I think a lot of those things are important. Um, obviously, any investor i mean it can it can probably change but is looking to how can i come in and what needs to be fixed versus what just needs to have gasoline and a light flown on it so that we can well, blow it up in terms of scalability um so you know i think like what not to do is uh is have a poorly economically managed business on the back end um you know no amount of like money or marketing expertise expertise is gonna solve a, a bad product that doesn't work with poor margins um so get that bit right and and again if, if an exit or investment is is what you're looking for you know think about who's in the business um what's your plan like what is it that you actually need out of a potential investment or you know because it differs and actually, like one of the one of the common things I actually have found in having conversations with some brands, not all, and it's it's okay because you know a lot of people figure it out. But like, what do you actually need investment for? Like sometimes the default answer is marketing, but it's pretty broad. 
um, in terms of a response. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. It's like, oh yeah, I need more money for marketing so people can find out about my products and buy them. But then if you're only spending more money on marketing, that you can burn through that pretty quick trying to grow and scale and catch up. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. And do you have the inventory to support it? And if we come in and if you come in and triple your marketing spend, like, what does that do in terms of, okay, you've got to then order triple the inventory. What's the time that it takes to get it? Does that change the amounts you're paying because your minimums are higher? Like, do you have enough warehousing? Do you have staff? That's going to increase your customer service. Like, does, do you see what I mean? So early stage infrastructure and, and thinking about how that, how that scales as you scale. Yeah, and maybe, so what are some other things people might think of instead of just marketing if they're if they're looking for investment or uh assistance like that is it does it really just vary depending on the brand like is it are there other things they can be looking for is it like oh i need more money to hire i need more money to invest in research and development for a product um expansion yeah and like adding more stuff is it, is it just too varied kind of depends um i think it's i mean there's common themes there's inventory there's marketing there's back-end infrastructure, there's research, research development, doesn't typically come, you know, staffing is a smaller part of it. Um, I mean, most most brands that we've spoken to, or I've spoken to specifically, actually, you know, they're, they're, they're founder-led, they're probably working with agencies or freelancers. So it typically is more like product development, inventory, and marketing are the, are the most common kind of areas, which, you know, makes sense. Yeah, they're most common and because they're typically the most expensive and most important, so, so yeah. to speak, in terms of capital. So, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Uh, if I'm looking to get acquired or looking to get uh, my brand in, invested in, what's the starting process look like? How long should I expect it to take? Give me some parameters around that. How do I start? Who do I talk to? How do I begin? Yeah, you know, I would start by talking to maybe other brand owners who have been through the process. Um, you know, I think we're, you're on, everyone's on Twitter, well, everyone. People are on Twitter, LinkedIn, there's, you can get access to people who have been through the process. And I think, you know, um, there's always somebody who has more experience than you in everything that you're doing. And so I think first, first and foremost, maybe talking to other brand owners who have been through the process um is a great starting point um you know maybe researching your vertical what other exits have there been in what time frame how have those multiples changed like do some research on those companies like what has their trajectory been in terms of you know how they've got to the point of exit um so i think like asking those questions and and finding people who might be willing to to kind of like you know impart some some valuable information and knowledge um, in terms of like then how to start scoping out people to buy you, um, you know, I think again, it's, it's networking, it's the power of your network. I mean, with Spuzzy, you know, we raised money, we went through it of, of trying to find investors. Like you have to put in the work of reaching out, um, making connections. That's why, you know, networking is, it really is so important. Um, 
you know, there are a lot of people out there willing to help and impart information. Um, but you have to be the one willing to also reach out, shoot your shot, do the DM, do the LinkedIn message, whatever it might be. There's, a, a, you know, until you have that network that you can tap into, there's no quick way to get it. You have to be willing to put in those, put in those reps. So put in the reps, outreach, kind of figure out, ask other people who've been through it. Okay, so when I start, should I expect money into my account in three weeks? Should it be oh. three months? Like eight months, 12 months, start to talk to me about typical processes and like depending on the, uh, this, the round or like this sort of stuff, like maybe these brand owners and myself personally aren't super in, in the weeds and know all these terms. So like yeah. just start pointing us in terms of like duration and that sort of process of how long it might end up taking. Yeah. And I know, um, I know I will add more clarity behind this. It does depend. <laughs> so, sorry, that's the most annoying response. But, you know, it depends whether you're looking to raise from angel investors or whether you're looking to raise from VCs, whether it's, you know, the different stages of where you're at, you know, Series A, whatever it might be. Like, there are a lot of differences, but like the first time, um, you know, I think you're going to have a lot of conversations that don't turn into something, even if there's um, initial intent, like people like to talk and you know that's okay um i would also say you know it can happen it can happen quicker than you think but on my in my experience and then you know i know this is not brand but like from an agency perspective it, it took a lot longer than i thought um which is you know i think just good going into going into that process like and, and the, you know, what's the phrase? Like, it's never good to be raising money when you need money, right? Like, try, try and get ahead of that curve. Like, if you've got two weeks to try and raise money, else your business is going to go bust. Like, don't be in that situation as much as possible. Um, so, I th again, again, like, having a plan of, okay, well, we have this in six months' time. We're thinking about this. Like, you should start having those conversations now because you don't want to be in a place where, like I said, you've got a ticking time bomb of, of kind of uh, cash flow that then puts you in like a sticky situation because you might get lucky and things happen really quickly. But again, what I'd say is like a due diligence process. If you're a small brand with not much complexities, that could happen really quickly. If you're maybe a larger brand with more complexities, more partners in the business, like the due diligence process is, you know, probably going to be a little bit longer, um, which can then, you know, delay ultimately closing closing deals um you know so a lot a lot of factors a lot a lot of different factors and a lot of different uh things involved that makes sense uh so how if i was if i was to look to sell my brand in two years what were some of the things you would recommend me as a friend and I all of a sudden have a brand that's ready for exit in two years? What would you start telling me and whispering in my ear and getting me thinking about and like coaching me on it? Like coach me through the, this exit in the next couple of years. Like what would you, what's the first couple of things you'd tell me? Have an idea as to who 
you're looking to exit to you know i think that's the other i think that's like the, the starting point is like for your brand your vertical like who has been buying brands that are similar like what are your opportunities in terms of like who's actually going to be a potential buyer um and then do some research around like what they look for the types of brands that they have acquired like you know you can you can find common threads and trends into whether it's like a VC firm looking to fold it into a broader portfolio and just running or where you're trying to sell a supplement brand into a larger supplement brand because it opens up their SKU range. So I think um, first and foremost, like have an idea or a plan or an aspiration as to like who you actually are looking to exit to. Do some research around the types of deals that they've done. I think that's the, that's the first place to start. Yeah. I think that that's huge. It's knowing your audience. So then that will dictate who you try to talk to to get to those people and how you approach them and the process of that versus someone like a single person like that might be their first time acquiring a brand and you want an operator to like take it over and run it for you versus a larger firm like you're saying. So I think that's awesome. That's good. Yeah. Because, you know, if it's if it's. um. If you're selling to, if you're looking to sell to maybe you know a a firm that manages multiple brands and they have an in-house performance team, like that can dictate. Well, do you need to build out a full in-house team? Does that make sense? Can you leverage freelancers? Can you leverage agencies to get you to that point? Because then, when that potential acquisition is being looked at. They're not thinking, well, you've got an OPEX of 100,000 because you've got a social media manager and a this and a that, and that can change your valuation, right? So, you know, I think that starting point of knowing to some degree, and it might not ultimately be, ultimately be who you end up selling to, right? Because of who actually wants to, but starting to map out how you look to build the company um, would, would, would be the kind of secondary point. Got it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense between the in-house team versus <clears throat> hiring out and looking ahead. So knowing how to adjust your roadmap to fit into that potential partner's uh, yeah. exit. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Um, what, having been around the process, having been through the process um, on the agency side too, What's something that was like absolutely surprising or shocking or took you aback the first time that it happened? And you don't have to get too specific, but if there's one piece of the puzzle or a detail that you're just like, this is part of this deal, like what I kind of want to just hear um, a little insight of that. The way lawyers talk to each other. <laughs> what do you mean by that? That's probably the one of the most surprising. It's it's brutal. I'm like, just be nice to each other. The language that's used is just like, oh my god, no. I mean, Joe, that is that actually was one of the most surprising things. I mean, great, great people on both sides. Like we have an amazing uh, legal rep, and you know, for us, so does everyone we dealt with. But legal talk can can sound harsh. Um, so, I mean, outside of that, on a more serious note, I think, um, I don't know if anything necessarily surprised me other than 
frankly, my lack of knowledge around the process. But then when you're doing things for the first time, even though I've done my research, like you, there's, there's some things that you can't prepare because it's nuanced to your situation. So like, I think being, being like having good people around you that have been through the process before is really, really crucial. Like without Matt, our legal rep, without like our financial advice, like, I would have very much not known some of the right things to do probably. Like I knew what I wanted to achieve and what I wanted to achieve, everything else. But I think like having a team around you that you trust, that has your best interest at heart, that has maybe done this before, has insight before, like, and being, you know, I was super okay with asking really dumb questions because I wanted to understand everything along the way. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it's your company, you've built it. Um, you know, I think you, it needs to make sense for you, but then having people who can advise you and help you understand all the different parts of the process is, is really beneficial. Um, and I was maybe, no, I wasn't surprised by it, but like the, the, the level of intricacy that, I mean, from an agency perspective, frankly, that went into it was maybe more than I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I think that's great, and I think that's a good way to start wrapping up here. But I uh, wanted to point out uh, that just don't you you worked so hard on this brand. Probably it's been years in the making. Don't just slack off before it's like you're gonna cross the finish line, cross the end zone, get the touchdown, get it recorded, and then chill out. <laughs> I haven't exited a brand before, but. I can imagine myself getting near the end and being like, oh, it's over. Yeah. But then it's not over yet and something happens and something changes and yeah. you got to pivot and adjust. So I'm at, yeah. I I like what you're saying there about don't be afraid to ask the questions. It's your brand. It's your baby. It's your making. Like yeah. you just want it to be sent off and taken care of. So yeah, I, yeah. I like that reiteration of simple questions. Just ask them. Don't worry about being dumb. Yeah. No. If these people that you don't know are gonna judge you, that you don't know and don't really care about them anyway. So yeah. it's like just ask the questions. Cool. Okay, Daniel. Uh, where? Appreciate your time and thanks so much. Where do you want to point people to if they want to talk to you? They want to work with you? They want to learn more about what we talked about? All that good stuff. Um, Twitter is probably the best place these days. Um, my handle is. Food dog 85 which is because I got two food dogs tattooed on my chest um, and I just kind of like the name so yeah um, find me on Twitter food dog 85 um, always happy to chat with anybody drop me a DM whatever more than would love to connect with people awesome man well appreciate your time and everyone else thanks for tuning into the episode and I'll catch you next time thanks Matt